Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Boom! Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog. For fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping a fantastic Kansas Jayhawk win against the Houston Cougars down in Houston. They are now 3-0. and something that we have not been able to say for a very, very long time on the football side. To help me recap this, uh, coming back for the first time in quite a while, it is Ari Temkin from Big 12 Sports Radio over on Sirius XM. Ari, how you doing today? I'm great, man. Yeah, hell is freezing over. The Jayhawks are 3-0. and They're the number one scoring offense in the nation. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I think what's even more wild is the fact that they're getting ready to play a 3-0 and Duke. Like, if you had told me before the season started that we would be having an undefeated Kansas versus an undefeated Duke, I would have said that you have gone absolutely insane and we need to lock you up right now. So, um, Well, and, and, and yeah. you know, look, they're, they're, I'll say this. Kansas' 3-0 and is pretty impressive. Um, you know, they're, it would be impressive for Kansas to be 3-0 and against any opponents, but given two consecutive road wins, tough places to play, and team in Houston that was ranked in the preseason top 25, there are a lot of 3-0 and teams. I don't know that there's any, in terms of surprise, 3-0 and teams that are more impressive than Kansas's three games. Yeah, for sure. Like, this is this is probably the biggest surprise. I, you might make an argument about Duke in terms of surprises, but I think that's more just because a lot of people didn't expect Duke to be any good. 
um, at all this year. And so the fact that they, you know, played a much lesser schedule and managed to stay undefeated on it, it's fairly impressive as well for them. But there's a reason that Kansas is favored by, you know, eight and a half or nine and a half, depending on where you go. Yes, I, you are showing your, your, uh, over bet on your ticket for the Jayhawks over, uh, the two and a half wins. Let me tell you. I was I was all over that as well. I think everybody that actually pays attention to this team was all over the two and a half. I have no idea why they set it so low. Um, it was really really weird, and the fact that they did it in week three uh, already cashed well, out for Vegas, a lot of people. It's ridiculous. Right. I was pretty confident it would hit. I was not confident it would hit in three games. Right. Vegas took a little bit to catch up with Kansas. Uh, I think even last week, I don't think Kansas should have been favored against Houston, but they should not have been an eight point underdog given what they had done. And I think even you know the West Virginia game, you can get good value there. You know, I bet, I bet Kansas hit in the West Virginia game. I had a rule really going to the Oklahoma game last year. Never, ever, 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 ever pick Kansas to cover ever, 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 ever. <laughs> and after the Oklahoma game that shifted and they basically have covered every game since then, but Vegas is finally now their favorites in the Duke game. Vegas has sort of finally figured out how that Kansas is a lot better than their power rankings indicated. But certainly in that Houston game, I thought, I thought that should have been a one or a two point spread, not an eight point spread. Yeah, I mean, I I was sitting there calling it as a as a three point spread, like that. That's where I thought it probably should have been. Like Houston should have been favored because they were at home. They were, like you said, a top twenty five team coming into the year. Like I think there was still enough there that you could argue that Houston had a rough draw having two road games to start the year, and then coming home that they were going to get a big bump. But you know, we saw why this Kansas team, I think, has been so effective this year. The discipline that they have, comparing it to the discipline that was not shown by Houston, I think is a big reason why this Kansas team has been able to play as well as they have. Um, what have you noticed But watching Lance Leipold and what he has done with this team, trans, you know, transforming this team from what they were under Les Miles, where they had tons of penalties all over the place, to now Leipold, um, I mean, they have the least penalties, as far as I know, of anybody in Division One football right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can, you know, shortchange the impact that Lance Leipold's had on this program, you know, in any capacity. It's it's really nothing short of remarkable considering he, he just hired a year and a half ago. I mean, he was hired – this is obviously his second season, but um, it hasn't even been two years because he was hired right after spring football. So to do what he's done in such a short period of time is, is incredible. You know, and, and visiting with him since he's been hired, you know, I mean, he, he's pretty open about, you know, that – this was a team and a group of players that were craving accountability. And, you know, that, that I think, you know, Kenny Logan, he, he told the story about Kenny Logan. He's like, he asked all the players, I think in the off season this year, um, you know, what do you like most about the changes to this program? What do you like least about the changes to the program? And Kenny Logan's answer was, what do you like most about it? the accountability? What do you like least about it? the accountability? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that speaks to what you're talking about. And, you know, look, it, it's it's kind of the perfect storm where, okay, so you've got a guy that knows how to build a program. He's, he's got this foundational understanding of how to build a program, and he's got a group of guys that were ready to buy into it. But he also had, you know, a quarterback in Jalen Daniels with an incredible amount of talent and a running back room that features a former four-star in Devin Neal and a really good running back in Daniel Hyshaw. And so when you have those three, you can kind of run this triple option that they've been running very successfully because of the talent that they have. So it's, it's sort of, you know, let's give credit to Lance Leipold because it's nothing short of remarkable what he's done. But if Jalen Daniels isn't here, we're not, we're not talking about the success right now. And, and if Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw aren't here, it's the same thing. It, it's those three guys, and certainly Jalen Daniels in particular because he's so good and has such a good dual threat. 
that it's so hard to defend them. Um, but it, it's sort of a combination of all three of those things. But but certainly the accountability, that's that's the bare brass of, of you know, of what Lance Leipold is. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been saying for a couple weeks now, like Les Miles did the, the Jayhawks a huge favor in getting the, you know, talent base that he did here, bringing in Jalen Daniel, Devin Neal, you know, Daniel Hyshaw. Recruiting only high school, bringing in only high school classes. Yeah, exactly. So getting their, getting uh, guys their, like, their, like their Kobe Bryant, Kenny Logan, like all of these players yeah. that are balling out now, except for the ones that transferred in this year, those are guys that Les Miles recruited and guys that he yep. was able to bring in. I, I do think that if Miles had stayed around for another, you know, two or three years, you would have potentially had problems as these guys would have not, not bought in anymore because Miles didn't know what to do with them. Like, that was, I think, the biggest problem that they had. And so it was almost a a perfect storm, not in the way you want to do it, but where Miles could take two years to restock the talent base on the roster, and then Leipold could come in and transform them into the team that they are right now. And so Kansas was extremely fortunate with the timing of it, and especially given that it happened, you know, during a spring training or a spring practices. But, like, this was – honestly, I don't know how you could have, like, scripted it out to work any better than it has. Absolutely. And it's a great point about Les Miles. You know, I think Les Miles is an easy target. And obviously the way that he – you know, his time ended at Kansas, there's a reason for it. But, you know, I, I think people – look at the rock bottomness that Kansas was in and sort of attribute that to less miles as opposed to like a Charlie Weiss who really started the, you know, the train of suckitude for them um, with the Juco's Juco route. But yeah, I mean, I, there's no doubt you can divorce, you cannot divorce less miles from the success they're having right now. The one thing I'll say is, I mean, less his fatal flaw beyond, you know, the actual fatal flaw is, you know, his lack of diversity and, and um, you know, forward thinking on offense. I mean, they're not going to be running the offense. They're running right now under Lance, uh, oh, under Lance Miles. Oh, oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Miles was good at getting guys in the door. The problem was he didn't know what right. to do with them once he got them. And so right. exactly. that's really, I think, where we ended up. So, so let's go ahead and actually talk about this game because it's really easy to point to this game and basically say, hey, it's the Jalen Daniels show. And we'll definitely talk about Jalen Daniels. But other than Jalen Daniels, who is the guy that really stood out to you as someone who had a huge hand in the way that this game went? That's a great question because, I mean, it's not like any one receiver dominated this game. I mean, you know, the, every receiver got involved. Had right, plays, right. He, you know, he threw to 11 different receivers in this game, which is kind of ridiculous, right. and only had 14 There's, completions. And who's, I mean, Grimm scored a touchdown. I'm trying to think what other receivers scored a touchdown in this game. Uh, um, let me see. It was Grimm and uh, Lachlan. And Lock then one. also yeah. Jared Casey caught one, and and Casey had the the fourth the, the fourth down pickup right on fourth and three where they ran that reverse was that was that Casey no 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 that was, no no was, I think uh, I think Casey had the big block for it if that's I remember right. correctly um, so I mean I think we just answered the question right I mean you can go to any of the individual running backs they're just such a difficult defense to defend one because the ability to spread the ball around but just. You know, it's funny because for years people were like, you know how to fix Kansas football is to run the triple option. Yeah. And it's even funnier that they even interviewed, um, you know, Jeff Munkin yep. from Army and obviously didn't hire him. And look, I mean, they're not running the triple option. They're running a, a zone read version of it. But it is it is the perfect offense for these players. It's They're not running the triple option because, you know, out of necessity. They're running the triple option because they've got two really good running backs and a quarterback that can really run. And so it is, I mean – unless you're playing a team with really good linebackers, like I don't know how you stop them because you have to, at some point you have to commit to one of them and all three of them are so effective. 
And it's, I mean, it's, it's insanely fun to watch. And, and I'll say this, I think, I think in what the West Virginia game surprised Kansas a little bit. Like, I'm not sure that the Jayhawks actually knew how good they were until the West Virginia game. And they, so they surprised themselves a little bit. I think in the Houston game, they sort of, they had a, they had a confidence and aura about like, they knew what they had in a, in this, in the way that they didn't really know that in West Virginia, they had to find it out because who knew, because they, they beat Tennessee tech and who knew what to take away from that game other than utter domination, which we hadn't seen from Kansas, even against, you know, FCS opponents. So I think they were, you know, the West Virginia game was kind of like, let's see what we got. And then they grew that confidence into the Houston game. Cause once they, you know, they're on 14, nothing. And I feel like obviously in years past, like all of a sudden you're on a train to 28, nothing and beyond. And it just, it was like, they never lost any confidence and, you know, being on the road, tough environment against a good team, preseason top 25 team, you're going to 14, nothing. And the wheels could fall off and the confidence, of the offense was just spectacular to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, normally I don't think I would be saying that this is a good thing, but it almost seems like this coaching staff is nowhere near as good at scripting out, like, the first 15 plays like you would normally see. Like, most, most you know, coaches, you're like, get the first 15 plays, you script them out really well, and that gets you a good base to get started. This is a coaching staff, I think, that excels at taking what they're seeing on the field and making adjustments yeah. in-game. Because yeah. I can tell you right now, first 15 plays in, you know, well, both games that weren't Tennessee Tech, like, those were rough. Like, you could tell. It didn't seem like they actually knew the best way to attack in those. It seemed like they were all kind of rusty and trying to get moving. But then once you actually saw what was happening, what Houston was trying to do on defense, you know, how, how Houston was trying to attack on offense, that's when they were able to make those adjustments, put guys in the positions that they need to be. And so if I have to pick between a coaching staff that's really good at scripting the beginning but not so great at adjustments or a coaching staff that – maybe struggles with the, you know, scripting the perfect way to start a game, but is fantastic at adjustments. I definitely want the second one because, you know, yeah, those first sure. 15 plays only get you through maybe half of the first quarter or maybe the first quarter if you're lucky. And then you've got to figure out how to, how to win the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, the majority of the game is off script. The majority of the game is reacting to the chaos. I mean, football is a game of chaos and those that can navigate the chaos, the best and most successful are the ones that win. So I, you're right. I mean, you know, I would say most coaches are good at scripting out the first two series of the game. The best coaches, though, are the ones that adjust and basically look at like, okay, where where are they compromised? Where can we, um, you know, effectively attack them? And and you know, sometimes you get these offensive coordinators that are outthink themselves and they just want to have this, you know, a collection of plays and you know, go at all different plays. And all can't I mean. Andy Kotelnicki, it's like he finds where to exploit the weakness in the defense and he just continues to exploit them. And it's like, it's, I think that's the best play calling is the ability to find the weaknesses and continue to exploit those weaknesses as opposed to, again, a lot of these genius offensive coordinators, or whatever, it's like they have to show you they're, they're so smart with all the plays they run. And with Kotelnicki, it's like, no, no, no this is working. I'm going to stick with it. Well, I, I think the other strength too is that Kotelnicki is a guy who relies on his players to make good decisions. You know, I, I think if if you look across the state, look over at what Kansas State is doing and, and the way that they played against Tulane in that game this week, it was pretty clear that Adrian Martinez was being asked to make decisions and he was making bad decisions. Whereas Jalen Daniels in this one was being asked to make a lot of decisions and he knew where he needed to go. He knew of all the different options that he had available and he was able to go and find the right one. And, and I think that's what 
Kotalniki does is that it's not only about creating the options, but it's also making sure that your players know what those options are and know when they should be looking for certain options to find those holes in the defense. And I mean, I think that's the thing. That was something that I kind of noticed in his true freshman year, that he had the ability to kind of scan the field, just didn't have the time to do it. That he kind of knew what was going on, but didn't have the opportunity to actually show that while he was a true freshman. Then he took that entire year, almost, you know, learning what he needed to do, getting everything kind of, you know, fixed and, and to the point where then he took over in Texas and he was running with it. I think that's really the biggest the biggest, uh, I guess, plus that you can say about this coaching staff is that it's not even so much about the coaching staff. It's about the way that they empower the players that they have on the field to make the right decisions and do what they need to do. And I think that's the thing you're seeing that's different. They, they talked about the accountability. They talked about the ownership of this team during fall camp. And that was one of those things where you, you know, you hear them talk about how, you know, the players need to buy in, the players need to own it. You're seeing that though here because there are plenty of times where you have seen they go into timeouts and the players are talking to each other before the coaches are even talking to each other or, or talking to the players. And so right. the fact that everybody is on the same page knows what's going on. And it's more of it, it. You look at those timeouts and those huddles. It is more of a discussion. It's not the coach saying you need to do this. You're not doing this right. It is everybody figuring out what they need to do and then going out and doing it. Well, yeah. I mean, the best teams are the, you know, quote unquote player led teams, but it's an easy thing to say. It's, it's not as easy to have it. And it's, you know, it is the players holding the other players accountable. Coaches, their message can only go so far. A lot of guy, a lot of times, it's the guys in the locker room that have to do certain things like that and hold guys accountable. And the the best teams are the ones that have that. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of buying in, you can buy in with the Comfort Collection from sponsor here on the podcast, Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, and a whole bunch more. And yes, that Comfort Collection is all of the wonderful, comfortable t-shirts that you know and love without any of the college logos on them. Look, I understand the college logos are absolutely fantastic. Those vintage logos are amazing. And I want, honestly, every single one of them that I can possibly get. But for those times where you're not able to wear a college logo or for whatever reason, you just want to have a shirt without one, the Comfort Collection is there for you. Homefield has the absolute best stuff available. I have way too much stuff. We are working on trying to actually get something pretty special going with Homefield here in the next few weeks. But uh, look, use promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. Homefield Apparel has the best stuff that you will find anywhere. They're doing refreshes this week, so make sure you go out and catch and see what they have. Um Again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. All right, we're going to go ahead and flip over to the defense, but before we do that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, 
Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And we're back. I am here with Ari Temkin of the Big 12 Sports Radio over on Sirius XM. All right, so I don't want to spend the entire time talking about Jalen Daniels and Andy, and Andy Kotelnicki because as great as they were, there was a ton of other players here that did a really good job. Specifically, I want to jump over to the defense because we could talk you know, for hours about this offense, but I thought the defense, after having two big drives that they gave up touchdowns on to start the game, all of a sudden they clamped down. And this was not like a West Virginia where you know a guy slipped and another guy got picked by his own guy and took the wrong angle and all that stuff like where they were almost like fluke touchdowns that you were like, well, that's probably not going to happen all the time. This was Kansas getting beat. Um, Houston, you know, attacking them in the flat, and all of a sudden they just didn't know where to go for it, or at least that's what it came across as. But then all of a sudden a switch flipped. What did you see from Kansas and the defense in that first quarter when they were able to switch like that and then all of a sudden reel off, you know, a 42-7 to run after going down 14 nothing? Yeah, it was it was pretty impressive, you know, especially considering the West Virginia game where it was, you know, tit for tat. I mean, there was a couple of stretches where Kansas had two touchdown leads, but it never really felt like they were in control like they were in the Houston game. Um, and look, I mean, I think, number one, you mentioned this off the top. This is a team that's not beating itself. And so, like, when you're, you know, when you're a developmental program like Kansas is, yeah, you've got to win in the margins. And, and Matt Campbell at Iowa State talks about that all the time. You know, you just can't overcome mistakes and penalties and, and you know, drops and different stuff like that. And, and so when you're a team like that, that's able to do that, then you feast on other people's mistakes. And I think Houston made some mistakes. You get, you know, you, you force the quarterback to be a little greedy, and that's an experienced quarterback that, that, that wants to take chances down the field. And all of a sudden it's like one incompletion here and now, they want to run the ball and you're behind the chains kind of thing where, where you're able to sort of capitalize on mistakes. So I would say in that game, the defense was the biggest surprise considering how good you know, Houston's offense is. Two things were surprising. Houston's defensive line was supposed to be really good. Houston's offense is Clayton Toon and, and Campbell and the, the receiver uh, Tank Dell. I mean, th- those are, those are dynamic players. And then Daniel Hogerson, obviously one of the, the smart offensive minds out there. So you're right in pointing out that we could sit here and gush about the offense, but the defense was the huge surprise in this game because we just haven't seen the defense put together like they had like that in a long time. Now, granted they had to hold down at the end, but um, yeah, but I mean, to get stops like that, to build a lead, that was impressive. Well, I I definitely think the end was a lot different than like the end of the West Virginia game, right? Where they didn't never got up high enough that you really felt like they could hold on to it. You know, Kansas, I mean, they let them get within two scores. And then at that point, it wasn't it wasn't anymore. So I, I thought they did a really good job of managing the game and still rotating people in throughout the entire game. But I, I think my my favorite part. That's about true, this, too. I mean, they, they are yeah. playing a ton of guys on defense. Oh, gosh. And that, that's huge. It's yeah. crazy. I think I, my favorite thing about this defense is not that we have, you know, one or two studs that are showing out every single game. Like we're used to, you know, when Dorrance Armstrong would just bowl people right. over on the line or, you know, a guy like Kyron Johnson just absolutely demolishing, like eating his guy up on the line, stuff like that. Or Ben Heaney, you know, right. making tackles all right. over the place. This is a different player every single week. Lonnie Phelps winning defensive uh, player of the week for the Big 12, um, you know, in week one. And then – 
Kobe Bryant doing it in week two, and then now Jalen Daniels winning Offensive Player of the Week in the Big 12 in week three. Like, I think that's what's the most impressive to me is that there are so many players that are having individual performances and showcasing what they can do, but it's not the same guys every single week, which gets everybody energized. It's like, hey, is this my week that I'm going to be the guy that's going to be put up for awards, that everybody's going to recognize how well I can play? And I think it spurs everybody on. I mean, and like the offensive line, right? I mean, I think we, we saw the offensive line become better last year. Oh, yeah. Still, it was, it was a major question mark. Um, you know, the ability for Lance Leipel to get guys to buy, to transfer over from Buffalo buy in, I mean, the growth of Earl Bostic, it, it, you know, it's, it's nothing short of remarkable, you know, I would say probably the, the defensive line and the offensive line are two of the biggest surprises for me. And I, I just don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, when you're good up front on both sides of the last scrimmage, you're, you're going to start three and zero like they have. Yeah, and it's it's funny too because those two lines are doing it in completely different ways. Like they they talked about in fall camp, you know, Scott Fuchs talked about how um, you know they would use as many offensive linemen as they had that they felt they could get on the field, even if that meant that they had to come up with packages to be able to get eight different offensive linemen. You look, and it's the same five guys who have been taking almost all the snaps, um, which means that they are playing that well, and they have not allowed a single sack all year long, which is which is ridiculous. Like, it's I am, ridiculous. I am so not used to that at all. It is the, the the craziest thing I think that I've seen in a long time, and and this year is full of them at this point. So, but. On the opposite side, the defensive line, they're rotating so many different guys through there that half the time I don't even know who's actually in on a particular play until they're getting up after tackling somebody because like, they're on for a play, they're on for two plays, and then they're off, and the next guy's on and rushing as fast as he possibly can. I, I said this coming into the season. It's like when you have that many guys and everybody knows that they're not going to be playing you know, 75% of the snaps, everybody knows they can go a whole lot harder, they can sell out on every single play, because they know they're coming out regardless, whether they play well or they play bad. So you might as well play well so that you can get back out there later. Well, and I think I read that they played 25 different defensive players on defense in the Houston game. Yeah. But that is an insane number. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, most most teams are playing, you know, 14, 15 guys. Yeah, most of them, it's like it's it's 18 because you typically will play one backup at each of the positions and then potentially right. have a guy or two that can roam just because, you know, you've got to give guys breathers if they go and make a big play or, you know, if if you get a turnover and make a huge a huge run on that and then all of a sudden you're back on defense because you scored or something like that. Like, you have to be able to play a few guys a few snaps. But, no, this is like 25 guys that are getting roughly, you know, equal amount of snaps in within their position group, which is absolutely ridiculous to think about. Well, and look – I do wonder how much it will stick throughout the entire year. Is this something where they're trying to get a feel for who's, you know, who's been part of this rotation? Will they shorten that rotation once they get, you know, deeper into conference play? Or is this just something they're looking at as a major advantage? They have depth and they, they like fresh bodies and what they're, the looks that they're getting with that. I think that will be sort of interesting to track as they move forward into conference play is, you know, what does that number look like? Or, I mean, are they going to be at 25 defensive players playing snaps when, you know, five weeks from now? I'd be surprised if they were, but I mean, if that's a part of their approach defensively, you know, it's certainly working for the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I, I have a, an, an inkling that it is going to be part of the approach because we have seen, especially the last few years where 
you know, Kansas just didn't have very many guys. You had the starters and that was basically it. Right. After that, there weren't like big 12 caliber guys, like no offense to the guys that were on the roster and filling up the roster. But, you know, in terms of being able to compete with the vast majority of big 12 athletes, they just weren't there. They hadn't built up their bodies enough. They weren't fast enough. They weren't quick enough in terms of what they were trying to do. And, you know, that was just the reality of the situation. Now they have basically a two deep full of guys who all could be big 12 contributors across the board. And, you know, they even have like deeper than the two deep in some of, in some of the positions that they have, which is how you get, you know, 25 guys playing significant minutes on the defense. The fact that they have that many guys allows them to rotate. And this team in all three of their games has gotten stronger as the game has gone on because they're fresh and the people that they're playing are not. You know, you have seen them wear down West Virginia's offensive line. They wore down Houston's offensive line pretty early in the second half because they were bringing in all those fresh guys and really kind of doing whatever it is that they wanted to. And so, sure, Houston was able to find some holes. West Virginia was able to find some holes. You have good teams with good players that are able to do that. But for the most part, Kansas has been at an advantage in the fourth quarter because they have fresh guys who have been playing all game long. They're not rusty coming off the bench at the very end of the game when you're trying to give your starters a breather. They've been playing the whole game. They've been rotating in and out. They're hyped up, ready to go. And that's been, I think, a huge advantage. I don't I don't think I can envision a scenario where they would willingly go away from that unless guys just stop performing. Right, right. Or um, you, you feel like certain guys give you, you know, certain – I mean, because there's guys that played in the Houston game that didn't play in the West Virginia game and vice versa. So I – you know, you, you wonder what is the decision there in terms of like, are there looks that they like that, you know, that they didn't like in previous matchups or whatever it is. But I mean, you're right. At this point, it's clearly an advantage. It's clearly playing to your, you know, playing to what you need in terms of getting fresh guys out there at the end of the football game. So no reason to go away from it. I mean, it'd just be interesting to track, you know, if that is their approach all year, if it's just more of like figuring out kind of like we talk about in basketball where Bill Self's trying to figure out what his rotation is going to be by right. later in the season. It's like, then you settle into that sort of wonder is that we're going towards or is this is this going to be the approach all year i mean i, I think they'll, they'll naturally settle to that but the question is are they going to get down to 13 guys on defense right. playing or are they going to get right. down to 17 guys which i think there's a right. huge difference between those two um okay totally. so so i guess that kind of sets us up for the end here um because look we could dive into all the minutia of everything that this team has done but that would take us several hours and neither of us have that much time so instead i want to go ahead and turn it towards the next few games because kansas is the only team that has played a Big 12 game, obviously, to this point, other than West Virginia. You know, they're leading the conference right now, but you look around the rest of the conference. And, you know, with the exception of, like, Oklahoma State, who has kind of not really played anybody, and so they're performing expectations where they are, and Oklahoma that's kind of been up and down but seems to be on the upswing, I don't know that there's anybody else in this conference that I look at it and gets like, oh, my gosh, they're way too talented and they're, you know, way too good for Kansas to be able to compete with them. So is this the year where Kansas really makes some headway? And even if they don't necessarily win a ton of games in conference play, they're at least in all of them or in them to a point where people aren't really considering them to be the bottom of the conference anymore. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that three games into the season, it's pretty obvious that this is not going to be the bottom feeder of the Big 12 like it's been. Um, you know, I can can they can they beat and compete with an Oklahoma? I don't know about that. Um, Oklahoma is really, really good. I think they showed that in the Nebraska game. They're not going to overlook anybody. Um, they're really good defensively. They take on the personality of their head coach. They're, they're, they're fun. The thing is, Andy, it's like I'm not – like there's so many unknowns about the rest of this league because we just, you know, Iowa state's an interesting one, right? Yep. 
I mean, Iowa State's three and zero. They they did beat Iowa in you know a game that I needed to gouge my eyes out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Baylor looks an awful lot like a Baylor team last year that won a Big Twelve championship. But still, it, you know, I I figured they'd go to Blake Shapen and be more have more firepower on offense, and maybe they eventually will by the time Kansas plays them. But like, you start to look down against their these opponents and. Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, like these are teams that are trying to do it on defense that like Kansas has firepower to outscore them. Yeah. You know, exactly. like so the 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 shorter your answer is, yeah, I mean they're the what they've done in three games is show that like they're not like they're gonna be in these games. You know, I just I don't see them being blown up by any of these teams. Um I, I just think they have the offensive firepower to stay in a lot of these games. I mean the 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 bigger ones, I mean, Texas, um, you know, Quinn Ewers is already practicing again. Obviously, he was impressive. They have an impressive offense. You know, so you kind of look at, like, who are the teams with really good offenses that can, you know, that can stay with you? Oklahoma State, Texas, Oklahoma, maybe TCU, though it's hard to gauge them because, again, they haven't really played anybody. Right. Um, beat the tar out of a bad Colorado team. Texas Tech, I mean, Donovan Smith has made a ton of mistakes. That's another later in the, the season game. So will Tyler Shuck be back by that point? He's a much better quarterback than, than Donovan Smith. He's thrown a lot of picks. So it's like the two teams with questions at quarterback could have their quarterbacks healthy and playing by the time Kansas gets them in November. So, uh, look, I think bowl eligibility, if, if, at this point, if this team doesn't get to bowl eligibility, that would be a huge disappointment based on how they've started. And that's remarkable to even say um, in 2022. So, well, I'm going to be honest. Um, I called it way back in January. So I, that is like, I am. Yeah, but you're eternally optimistic. No, you no, a but. podcast a couple years ago where you were like, they're going to beat this team. It's like, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, wait, wait. <laughs> I said they were going to beat Texas and then they did. And now I've said that they're going to go bowling and it looks like it's pretty much a shoe in at this point. Like, I mean, they only have to I win feel three like it was more two games. two years so. ago, though, that we picked, you picked. Okay. Well, it was two years ago point. and then they canceled the tech, both of those Texas games oh, because right. of COVID. Right. So, right. like, I, we didn't get a chance to see if I would have been right or not. But I was so convinced that they would have gotten Tom Herman fired as well. Um, so we'll never know about that one. But the fact that I continued that and was able to get my prediction right down in Austin was phenomenal. And then, and you, I mean, and you predicted this. Yeah, look at this. This, year. this is ridiculous. So I, mean, I am enjoying all of that so much right now. But uh, looking ahead now to this next game against well, Okay, Duke. so let me ask you this. Go ahead. Eternally optimistic. Yeah. Where, where do you have them finishing right now in the Big 12? Okay, I just put out a power rankings over on Blue Wings Rising that I have them as of right now as second in the conference in terms of power rankings for how they're playing right this minute. Yeah, which I, I think is they completely were five fair. in my power rankings last week, and they'll, they'll have moved up for sure. Yeah, so like I have them second behind Oklahoma State, and honestly, just because Oklahoma State has done what I expected them to do, and I thought Oklahoma State was more talented than Kansas coming into the year. Oklahoma's right behind them, and honestly, I could make an argument for why Oklahoma should be ahead of Kansas right now. But, you know, there was enough questions from, like, that – awful half they played against Kent State that I, I'm okay giving Kansas the edge right this minute. But by the time they actually play, Oklahoma should be rolling. If they're not, well, then that'll be super interesting and Kansas will actually give them a game. But I am, I think at this point, I probably have the Jayhawks slotted in about fifth in the conference by the time that everything's all said and done. Um, you know, I mean, I have, I think that's, I think that's good. I think yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. have, I have teams like West Virginia behind them, Texas Tech behind them, you know, I have Kansas State behind them. And then, you know, one of, well, let's see, TCU and then probably Texas is who I have. But, I mean, I could see an argument one way or another for where Kansas falls in there. But I have a hard time seeing them finishing below six just because some of these other teams have some really big issues. 
And we're going to get an idea, I think, when they play Duke with the expectations that they have now. I was definitely disappointed that they didn't get game day. Um, but I guess maybe they're just saving it for next week, you know, after Iowa State beats Baylor. And then it's, you know, 4-0 Kansas versus 4-0 Iowa State for homecoming and game day. So, you know, we can we can enjoy that when it actually happens. I don't actually think it'll happen because of some of the other games that are on. But we can right. dream. I, so. I, uh, I I thought for about five seconds maybe they'd get game day. Then I looked at the schedule and saw Florida and Tennessee and thought they're not getting game day. <laughs> oh, man, but come on. It's Florida and Tennessee. Uh, well, nobody. I, mean, I just. I thought it was great how many people were so upset about the fact that they did not go to Kansas. So I will take that as a win well, at this point. Kansas right now is one of the best stories in college football. Oh, gosh, there are a lot of surprise three and teams, you know. But but I don't, you know. And we're obviously biased because we're both Jayhawks. But it, it's no. I, I think the expect my expectation was they were going to be better this year. I didn't know that that would show itself in wins because they had a really tough right. schedule. I mean, Houston was, that's a tough one. West Virginia early at West Virginia. Um, so the fact that they're better and, and, you know, they're so far ahead of schedule. It's really remarkable. And again, it's, it's the accountabilities we talked about Lance Leipold and the talent and just the right people at the right time to run the right offense. It's just taking college football by storm. I'm just, concerned about the hits on Jalen Daniels, but I'm just going to cross my fingers and pray. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. I was as optimistic as they come at the, at the beginning of the year. And I said that they were going to barely get into a bowl game, you know, after upsetting Kansas state at the end of the year to go six and six, the fact that they have a legitimate shot right now of qualifying for bowl eligibility after they've played six games, like that is crazy to think that it's even a possibility at this point and a reasonable possibility at this point with three home games yeah, against sure. teams that definitely have potential issues that Kansas could exploit. So it's been, you know, it's been everything that I could imagine and more. Uh, my best case scenario didn't even have them going 3-0 and to start. So it's just like, this is this right. is absolutely fantastic. All Kansas fans should be enjoying this as much as possible. And I did look, I mean, you know, we were recording this on Monday night. I actually looked earlier today and it is really hard to find tickets for this game. Like there are single tickets all over the place. Um, you have to essentially go to the visitor section in order to get more than two tickets together. So the fact that it looks like we are going to have a full house for the game against Duke um, should be absolutely fantastic. Everybody should come out and pack the booth and make sure that we are supporting this team as much as we possibly can. I cannot wait to see what it's going to be like on TV. Um, you know, FS1, this might end up being one of the bigger games on FS1 just because there's so many people already talking about it. And like, Yes, it's on FS1, which is usually harder to get people to come and watch, but everybody wants to see this game. Like, everybody is talking about this game, wants to see what Kansas is going to do, see if Duke can hold up to them. If Kansas wins this game big and Jalen Daniels has another monster game like he has had, I think that all the talk is going to go through the roof for them, and it's going to be difficult to not be talking about Kansas for the next few weeks. Well, and, and I know they announced the game time for the Iowa State game. Is that one on TV? Right now, it is scheduled for either ESPN2 or ESPNU at 2.30 next week. Nice. So, so, I mean, that says a lot. That says yeah. a lot. It's, it's been a while since you can consistently watch Kansas football games, not on ESPN+. And I know, yep. you know, Lance Leipold mentioned the West Virginia game. He was a little bit disappointed that they weren't getting that one on, on you know, on regular television. And lo and behold, the Houston game was on ESPNU and – you know, look, that's huge. That speaks to the potential audience that's out there that, that wants to watch this team be successful. And what have we been talking about forever? You know, Kansas needs to put itself in the best position to be successful in football because of 
the money that's coming in right now in conference realignment. And, you know, it is a, it's crazy to think, but it's very, you know, it's, 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 it's very short term. Like if you're good now and you're commanding an audience now that that's very, very good. And, um, you know, look also in the, the midst of Travis Goff trying to put together funds to raise funds to, to, to build a new stadium. And I've read something about, you know, Douglas Gerard saying, talking about a medical center at the football stadium and, all the other yeah, they they put out just like, totally new football stadium. Well, they put out bids for like a multi-use area, so you know it has like businesses Invention and center. a whole bunch of different yeah. stuff there. Yeah, which which like, I just want a new football stadium, right? Like, I know, just, but like just, Iowa State has announced something similar. You know, they're using a firm that's done this in a few different places, so it's good to see that they're you know dreaming bigger and looking at a way to transform cool. this into not just a football stadium that people go to. You know, it, it's going to get use. It's going to get visibility. It's going to get people to come. So it is. It, I think it's overall a good thing. Obviously, the big question then becomes, well, where do they play while they're doing this? Because I can't imagine a scenario where they're going to be able to do this in just the off seasons. They're going to have to find somewhere right. to play for a year or two. And honestly, from what I've heard, it's them trying to get those logistics figured out before they announce officially what it is that they're planning on doing. So hopefully we'll hear something pretty soon. I think it'd be pretty cool to have an announcement during homecoming week, but that might be pushing it a little bit too much. So, but we will have to see when they're going to announce all that stuff. But I mean, it's a lot of really fun and exciting news for the Jayhawks. A lot of stuff coming out of this team and out of this program. So, um, but that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Ari, thank you so much for joining me for those that want to find all of your work. What is the best place for them to do that? Uh, Go subscribe to SiriusXM and listen to Big 12 this morning with myself uh, and Dave Archer, as well as Fozzie Whitaker from 7 to 10 a.m. Central and uh, on Twitter at Ari Sports. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, Andy, this has been awesome, man. What a, what an incredible run so far it's been. For oh, I know. It's been so fantastic. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Ari. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps that are out there. You can just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. You can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments. It would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can also hit me up personally on Twitter at andymitz12. I talk not just KU, but all things in the Big 12. Uh, you know, I am over on the 1012 podcast every single Monday morning, recapping the week that has been for the Big 12. So make sure you catch us over there. We are part of the 1012 podcast network covering all the teams in the Big 12 conference. We have 12 great podcasts. We're partnered with Sports Drink right now. Absolutely fantastic stuff. So make sure you catch all of that. Go to 1012network.com to get links to all the great shows. Make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, Prize Picks. Use promo code CHOCK12 to get great deals with all of them. But Ari, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.